Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode, we're talking about characterization. I'm Russ Capasso, and joining me, as always, is Tim Letney. Tim, how are you, and how would you characterize yourself today? Let's see. I don't know. I think I'm uh, slightly in the dumps, oh, but I'm hoping this cast is going to raise me up. Get you back motivated get and back. excited. Get so me back. By the time yeah. this comes out, Tim, you will have probably already gotten signed, got an agent, and, and sold uh, your yeah. book. But I think I'm guessing. As, yeah, as, that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> at time of recording, you have sent your first query. So let's before we get into it, that's awesome. Congrats. I know it's 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 sad. <laughs> before we started recording, you were sad, but I think you should yes. be pumped and excited that you're at this point and you're getting you're there. So, yeah, let me rephrase. I <laughs> regret sending my first query <laughs> because I don't think my query materials were quite where they should be. But yeah. I think we should talk about that in a future episode about the trials and tribulations and the yeah. absolute lack of dopamine drip that you get <laughs> from querying. Um but no, I'm psyched. I mean, as of last week, I was really happy to put the final polish on my book. I feel quite good about it. It was a really intensive sixth draft. Yeah. Fixed a bunch of stuff, you know, <laughs> took a lot of the beta feedback I got. I feel really good about the book. Yeah. Um, and where it's ended up. Nice. I feel less good about my querying materials, but that's what this week and <laughs> next week will be for. Topic for 2024. Yes. Anyway. But yes, thank you. Thank you. Nope. And thank you for your feedback. Yeah. I, uh, I took none of your advice. Thank you. That's good. No, I took a lot did. of your advice. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're immediately sad when you used it. You're like, God damn it. That was very sad. Whoa. Sad Aww. face. Uh, all right. How about you, whole... man? How, how would you characterize yourself today? Uh, slow. Uh, slow. <laughs> feeling a little slow. <laughs> You're working slow. on characters, right? I am. I am. I am. Uh, probably by the time this comes out, hopefully a couple chapters into the second book. But uh, Nice, dude. Yeah, I am knee deep in book two and working actually through characterization, which is which is perfectly timed topic. Yeah, I came across a point uh, where I was writing a scene and I have most of the characters I know in the book kind of outlined primary, secondary, you know, all those tertiary characters that I need. I started writing a scene with my main character, Lilo, and a secondary new character. And I had like details about that character all kind of outlined in my head. And I started writing yeah. and I completely changed them. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why. Yeah, I feel that. I think that's the stuff that just happens. And once you get into it, so. Why don't we jump in? Because I feel like this is a nice topic that yeah. jumps off of our last episode about character archetypes. Yes, definitely. I feel like they kind of go hand in hand. In a way, it's like whittling yeah. down or getting yeah, a little more like a detailed about yeah. the funnel, right? Like if you start yeah, with the archetypes at the top and then you come down to the characterization. So like, let's just do the quick, you know, the old Wikipedia definition of characterization, right? So we all know, I guess, maybe what we're talking about. Yeah, let's do it. Characterization is the representation of the traits, motives, psychology of a character in a narrative. That's like the kind of simple one line, right? Um, Let me give you my definition of it. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Already changing. <laughs> and, I think, and, yeah. and physical representation of the character, too. I, I should add that in there as well. So I'm just thinking like a TDLR, right? Like something that's like. I literally gave you one sentence. That's like too long, didn't read. That's like. I think, I don't know. How much shorter are you? It, it, how much shorter? Like, <laughs> uh, it's when the writer reveals the personality of the character or characters in the way they choose to reveal it. What'd you say? Was that similar? 
Uh, yeah. Well, okay. There's two levels to this. So characterization is like the description of a character's physical traits, right? How they look, their point of view, their personality, private thoughts, and actions. That's actual characterization. Then there's two ways of revealing that information in a narrative. There's indirect and direct characterization. Yeah. So yeah, we're both right. Okay. I like it. Uh, so characterization, right? So I think like the, the key thing here is sure, it's, it's everything about a character, but then what's I think important for narrative and for writing is how you represent those details about a character, right? And I think that's kind of mm -hmm. like more of the focus we want to get into is, is that indirect and direct characterization as you're writing and revealing these things? All right. So should we define direct and indirect characterization? Yeah. And I, I think it's important to to note too, and this is something that I, I think I had a hard time with is that especially as you're planning your characters, it's a starting point, right? Like yeah. they will change a little bit yeah, yeah. through through the narrative of the book. But I do wish in retrospect, right, which is why I think this is kind of an important episode to have a general sense of these direct and indirect ways to explain who your character is and what they're all about. So yeah. I found them through the writing and it would have been nice to have a little more of like a Bible of sorts Free to started. refer to. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, let's, let's jump into direct and indirect. I think that's a, a great place. These two methods aren't like mutually exclusive, right? So you can kind of bounce between them as you're going through your narrative. I think you got to do both, right? Yeah. It's, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. So direct characterization, right? That's where the author directly describes a character's qualities, right? Such you know, like direct description may come from a narrator or from another character or through self-description by the character in question, you know, so you could have like a line of dialogue where that guy, Sam, seems nice, you know, like that's like kind of like a direct characterization. Uh, and then indirect characterization, um, rather than like, like explicitly describing a character's qualities, right? An author shows a character as he or she moves to the world, allowing the reader to kind of infer the character's qualities from their behavior. So like character's thoughts or character's actions. So instead of saying the person is nice, Having someone else be like, hey, that person's nice, have them do some action that shows that they're nice, right? So it's more yeah. showing that versus telling. Um, right. What Which a character is why I think says. indirect always lands a little better for me than Agreed. direct does. Um, and I guess that's what you hear over and over again, right? You want to show and not tell as much as possible. 100%. I think there needs to be some telling, especially if you're getting down to like, well, I guess, I don't know. It's interesting, right? Yeah. I'm not sure. I do. Did you use direct characterization much in your book? Um, or, did in, you or did you rely more on indirect? I was still learning how to write. <laughs> I think I did use a lot of direct characterization, but uh, editor definitely helped kind of pull some of that stuff out and say like, hey, instead of just saying this thing, change this into an action to, to show that this is happening. And I don't think I, I, at the time I didn't put together that, oh, this is direct and indirect characterization. <laughs> it was more just yeah. like the, the old show don't tell type of uh, advice. Um, yep. So yeah, I think early on I was doing that. And then through, you know, Subsequent drafts, I kind of started, you know, tweaking some of those things. It seems like direct characterization would be, if we're talking about POV, right, a, a really mm. good fit for like omniscient third. Whereas if you're doing limited third, which is mm. what you yeah. do, it's a little more rooted in the character. It's a little harder, right, for the narrative to kind of step in and just be and like, give that direct characterization because, in theory, they're always kind of wearing that mask of. Yeah. the main character or the B character at the time. Yeah, I, d I think definitely indirect falls. I fall more in the category of indirect. I'm thinking about some of the scenes I just wrote recently for the second book and then and I'm definitely leaning into like character's thoughts because I'm in that third person limited point of view. But character thoughts would be indirect. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. The direct always feels like, as like I've, I've said every podcast for the past few months, I'm reading Tolkien. Tolkien does a lot of direct because the narrator is like, my kids mm. keep asking, who's talking? Who is this? Oh, interesting. Like, oh, well, it's, 
the narrator right now yeah. and kind of through the guise of Sam, but it's the narrator and they are directly saying that somebody feels a certain way and yeah. they look a certain way. It's like they're, they're kind of almost their own character. And I would say like coming back to your, your, your comment earlier, and we talked about this before we started about the, as you're kind of discovering your characters as you're going, uh, I did the same thing with the first book. I think a lot of things I found as I was writing, uh, a lot of them, again, I've, you know, I've said this multiple times that they were kind of like stick figures to start. And I, yeah. as I went through, I started kind of building them out. Second book, I have gone through and given all of them some basic traits and mannerisms and some stuff that just came, came to mind. Um, yeah. like I said, like I, I wrote one scene and completely changed the character. And I was like, this just felt right in the moment. Um, yeah. I think the key thing is when you do that, and we talked about this before, is that when you do that, as soon as you write something on the page, you've changed and you like it, make sure you go back and note it and update your yeah. Bible, update your, your, your oh, profile. Dude, I wish, I wish I did that because I changed <laughs> characters like hair and stuff throughout. And, uh, it doesn't seem like a big deal until you've oh. got to go through a hundred thousand words. Yeah. And when, then try to find every instance of your screw up. Yeah. Um, you, at that point, you you just want to deal with typos. You want to deal with like, oh my God, do they have pink hair or brown hair? Like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, totally. literally like, happened to me. That's not, that's um, not what you want to deal with. <laughs> and I'll say too, right. You can probably go a little further in the wrong direction. Like you felt like your characters were stick figures and yeah. I'm slightly concerned that mine are comic book characters. <laughs> Like where they have too much stuff, where they've got a lot of like, t I've got a lot of indirect characterization, right? Yeah. Um, why don't we go through, you know, the different aspects of characterization, indirect, and we can kind of chat about it. Yeah. First one that I've got written down is speech. You know, it's like the words they choose. Yep. You know, if they have an accent or don't have an accent and how you're going to get that across with words. Which that's a, that's a fun one too. And that's like a whole separate thing of like, do you write? Uh, and I've read different takes on this and like some, I think older books you'll see where people actually write in like the accent, like in the actual yeah. dialogue, which I think I is tried. Little, I, <laughs> I, I, it's funny because I think that's changed. I think that, I think that approach has changed and this might be a separate yeah. topic, but I think uh, it's now you just kind of describe how they sound and then just write it normal. My first draft was like complete, like made up words or like, like a <laughs> cockney accent from one of my characters. And it, it's okay. Cause the character like puts on a faux British accent, you know, it's one of my like punk characters yeah. who kind of comes in and out of it. And through subsequent edits and rewrites, I kind of got rid of most of that but did lean into word choice yeah, like yeah. and where he will say certain words, but got rid of some of them. Some of them I'm kind of like using like an apostrophe and like shortened versions of words, but at least I'm not making up complete new ones. Yeah, I'm, I think that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with like, I don't I think, we'll see. I think it's fine. I mean, I've definitely <laughs> read some books where it's like completely like, you know, written how you would pronounce the word in that accent. I'm like, this is tough to but, read. But I'll say like this character jumps off the page, but almost my buttons character. But I think because he has so much flair he's got an yeah. accent he wears a bunch of buttons he's got a ferret he's a punk you know there's like oh no like i could see somebody dressed up like him at a con yeah yeah but i also want to make sure that like it's a character unto themselves and that this is like layers of accoutrement that they're layering over an insecure kind of broken thing yeah so yeah but i will say as i was writing it i was like is this a comic book character <laughs> like have i gone a little too far into like Welcome to Fuddruckers Flair or something. <laughs> well, there's also the line of like, how much, how much characterization do you do uh, before you kind of take out some of the imagination for the reader? Yeah. Right? Like yep. what's, what's the balance of that? Like my approach is I want to give enough where you understand 
this person's wants and needs and maybe their like basic behaviors but unless i really need to go into like deep detail and like because it impacts a story in some case but i think leaving a little bit because i don't really get into like a lot of description for some of my main characters in like the first mm-hmm. book like I mean, Lilo, yeah, I do. And then some of the other characters, they do like a very light because it's like I reveal details about them throughout instead of like right off the bat, like a secondary character. I'm like, here's who they are. Here's how they sound. And here's what they look like, you know, but the primary characters like I'll just like, here's, you know, something about them here. Here, Three chapters later, you learn something more, but not doing so much where it takes away from the from the reader. Uh, kind of picturing and maybe putting themselves in this situation. So it's interesting, right? Depending on like how you drip feed out that information, because yeah. I understand like in like a Dean Koontz way, he like dumps all of it right in the forefront. They look yeah. like this. They sound like this. They smell like that. Yep. Which is a little much. But I also feel like if you drip feed too much and maybe what if you're 10 chapters in and you add a detail yeah. that changes how the person was picturing them already? Because he's slowly, right? That spell is cast and they're beginning to kind of manifest who they think. There's times where I, I get a detail from a book I'm reading yeah. and I go, no, I don't want to picture them like that. Yeah. <laughs> like I've already gone so far enough along in my creation of the yeah. mental character that I like ignore what the author is telling me. I wonder if that's also like weird. A, I, well, I also wonder if that's like a, because like what was the book I read? I forget the name of the book. It was the Michael Crichton one I read. Remember I was like, yeah, he introduced like 20 characters and gives you all of the information about them right up front. And then there's yeah. nothing else afterwards. So it's like, I don't, remember, I don't remember what this character looks like or what this thing is or like you know it's like it's so easy it, enough to refer back to or yeah or no. i mean like it's just i mean it's like early chapters so as soon as he introduced characters i remember the I'm blank on the name of the book but it was um uh yeah he introduced like 15 characters in like the first couple chapters and but then had like quick like blurbs about every single one right this is what they look like this is their hair color this went to school da, 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 da. and then yeah move on with the story and it was weird because like it didn't stick with me like that it didn't stick with me right. like that so it's like i wonder if that maybe that style of writing has changed where you know you start drip feeding um, details about characters so you'd mentioned that also that stieg larson was at least very detailed about characters like relationships and family trees stuff how did he handle characterization was it like Crichton? was it like big dumps of information or was it no not really um not really actually his was definitely spread out a little bit uh throughout throughout the the story um Maybe for um, uh, Bloomquist there, the you know the main the protagonist. Um, I think he kind of came up front with a lot of his details. But what about when he was talking about like family relationships and who's related to who? Was there like what the relationship was, or was it just kind of objective? Like they're related, but they don't feel a certain way about type of thing. No, he definitely got into per- like how a character felt about them and and or their relationship uh, right off the okay. bat because you kind of. You kind of needed that like upfront, I think. And I think part of that played into like the mystery of like, cause it's somewhat of like a whodunit. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that kind of, it depends, I guess, maybe on the genre of your writing as well, right? Like a mystery, it's like, maybe you want to give some of these details all upfront. So it's like, it puts yeah. in your head, the reader, like, oh, maybe this is the person that's done the thing, you know? Um, yeah. So. so I'll say, right. I mean, that's like another getting back to indirect characterization. Yeah. If Larson is saying how people feel about one another, that's another example, right? It's like the effect on others. Yep. The effect the character has or the effect characters have on each other, which is a really good way to kind of nicely show and not tell. Yep. um, And build those characters. That's cool that he does that. Um, I will say, and this is my, my, the talking point that I queued up. I made the 
biggest mistake when I was working on my first book, like a million <laughs> years ago. My, you know how you described your character as like a stick figure, you know, when you yeah. first begun writing, my character was just this blank space, like nothing. <laughs> and I, and, and I got myself thinking like, wouldn't it be neat if, you know, a theme of it is like negative space and it's all this indirect characterization that's shaping this character. It's like the people around him mm. and their perceptions of him yeah. builds the character solely. But it was a complete and utter cop out because I didn't know how to characterize the character. Yeah. I didn't want to do it. And I <laughs> and the truth was, is that I was and this character was a really big nothing burger. Like there was no feeling. Yeah. And I just kind of leaned into like the vacantness of it as like retrofitting a theme. But really what it was is that I didn't know how to characterize a character. Yeah. And I would I would say, don't just rely on one of these. <laughs> Like, yeah yeah definitely not yeah i agree i mean i think it's okay if you lean into indirect more than direct but i think you need to have like since we've got speech right we've got effect on others you know the other one is like internal monologue and thoughts like i think that's a great way to get yeah. across you know the characters just kind of who they are and how they perceive the world i didn't do that at all it was just such a missing piece yeah i had that same same issue for me for my main character elliot he was i think kind of like an empty void to start he's still kind of not, i wouldn't say he still is but he's not nearly as interesting as maybe some of the, my other characters that i had in my head already who they were and how they would act and react mm. to the world around them but you went back and added like internal monologue right to yeah. get those pieces yeah and all came back to it all comes back and all ties together when uh, you come back to like the character's wants and needs and motivations too, you know, so mm -hmm. that really, that really helped give them a little more life and then figure out who this person is. But having at least a nice little upfront knowing <laughs> to start, yeah, it's, it's definitely better than going in kind of blank and then uh, having to go back and like fill those gaps in because then it just becomes, it becomes like a nightmare for keeping track of who yeah. your characters are. So. And getting back to your point of like having like a, a sheet where you're keeping track of things because... Yeah. For this new book, I actually had a lot of internal monologue. Yeah. I didn't really have to go insert it. What I needed to do was I needed to go back and refine it because my character motivations were not clear. Their character thoughts were not clear. Yeah. And because I did not have this kind of go to, I kind of let the words come and I let my feelings kind of mix with the character's feelings. Yeah. And as I went through and read it and it, some of the feedback I got off the first beta, which was, what are these two characters' motivations? They seem muddied and, and they really were. And it wasn't because of their actions as much as it was because of their, their internal monologues. They're feeling very differently in, in different sections. Yeah. So I had to go back over 100,000 words yeah. and fix that and simplify it and make sure these threads, I started to justify it. I was like, well, they're, they're teenagers and they don't really know... <laughs> You know, they're conflicted and I don't want to, but that was just me making an excuse, right? It's like, you want to make it clear to the reader how they feel. And yes, we as humans feel multiple ways on multiple days, but your characters kind of need to have a thread Yeah, and that they can change. They can have an arc of thread, but they can't have many threads. Yeah. <laughs> at least, at least mine shouldn't have. So that was tough for me. The thing I'm finding interesting now is that I'm writing the the second book I'm working on is Lilo's book, I guess, kind of a prequel in a way to, to the first book to host. So what's interesting now is like, how is she different from the first, you know, from hosts where she's definitely, mm. it's, I mean, it's all within like, you know, it's going to be within like a six month, one year period, but it's like the stuff that she's gone through to get to that point, making sure that she's, you know, she hasn't 
gone through the experiences and that experiences in her behavior at this point isn't the same thing that she's doing back here. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she, she has to go through the experiences here and be green or be different at this point, go through those experiences and make sure that she lines up with who she is now. That's um, so interesting. It's yeah, so I, hard, right? Because you want to make sure that adds to who she is and host as opposed yes. to it feeling like two separate characters. And you're right. If this is a satisfying arc, which I'm sure it will be, yeah, she needs to be different and then end up where she goes and like what will eventually be like, the timeline, the next book and host. Yeah. That's gotta be so hard, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it hit me the other day when I was like, actually, when I started getting into writing scenes for her again, and I was like, I have to, I have to kind of backpedal her a little bit here from what she is in, in host. I have to remember what she was, you know, and who she was in that book. And this mm -hmm. book is gonna be a direct, direct impact on how she acts in host. Yeah. It, it's kind of fun, but it also opens it up a bit because in host, she's kind of, you know, she's very insular and very, you know, isolated. So it's like, okay, well, why does she get to that point? And so asking mm -hmm. that question of like, what, what actions or what things does she go through in this book? The new one is going to put her in that situation. So having that as That's the really guide, cool. it's kind of fun. Cause then it's like, oh, well, I, I get to open her up a bit and you know, you'll see it kind of a different side of her where maybe she is a little more trusting, you know, and then you get to host, she's not. And why? <laughs> yep. So then in the third book, does it take place after host? Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna pick up. That's like, really nice. I mean, that could be a really nice character arc. Yeah, that's the idea. So then the third book will that's just cool, be, man. will be her kind of yeah, her going through her. I don't want to give anything away yet. But then it's gonna be a whole new like. Then I get to pick up who she is from host and the experience she's gone through that meeting. You know, people that she has now as you know quote unquote friends. How does that change her for the third book? So getting back to indirect characterization, we talked about yeah. speech. We yep. talked about thoughts and internal monologue. We talked yep. about effect on others, which leaves what? Characters actions. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's too much to, to get into there, but I guess, you know, their reactions and actions that within the world that kind of give off maybe hurt their behaviors. Something else I had to kind of fix, right? Because yeah. I think the actions and the internal monologues really kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. And I had some beta readers being like, why are they doing this? Like, why would they do this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, because that's where the story goes. Yeah. <laughs> that's they need to because yes. that's they're marching towards the conclusion. Yeah, uh, not a good answer at all. No. <laughs> um, so I had to go back and fix why and when and uh, how they did certain things. So same type of thing, right? Like yeah. Just making sure that you have a true north and that even though I think like obviously the characters change, but you want to make sure that they're not doing stuff that's completely out of character. Yeah. Like I yeah. had one character, right, who is like a nurse and she's cool and she's a mom. I have her tit, uh, not anymore, but in the first draft, she like took a gun from a cop and like <laughs> that's blew up a tank or something. And I was like, not a tank, but like, yeah, she does like a very dumb, impulsive thing. And I was like, well, that makes a lot more sense for like her dumb and impulsive husband to do. Yeah. It's something that she her. wouldn't have done. And just because I wanted to have like a woman power moment or something, I was like, that is not true to the character. Yeah. At no, all. Like yeah, that is yeah. a dumb action for her to do and it, it just ruins the moment. But I didn't realize that until I reread it. I was like, well that's ridiculous. A good example I, I can think of from my book for hosts is um uh, again probably the introduction of Lilo for uh, for characters actions. And it's like subtle stuff of like how you get across that she's alone and doesn't trust anyone. Like the small things mm -hmm. like I think I introduce her as like she's you know writing up some you know script or code that's going to be very disastrous to people um and she's in a coffee shop and she's just counting the number of people like in the back of her head she's like multi-processing like 
you know, she's doing this thing that's really complex, but for her, it's easy. But at the same time, she's like keeping track of all the people who are coming in and out, out of the cafe, right? You know, at one point mm-hmm. she's like, there's 12 people here, goes back to coding, blah, blah, 15 people in here, blah, blah, blah. Someone has left. And it's like, those are like those small actions. I think that kind of like the so things that she's doing. It's a great combination doing. of, right? Like that, that's actions and internal monologue. So you're yeah. using two forms of indirect characterization at the same time to get across who this person is paranoia uh loneliness yeah. you know and then uh, in the same scene don't you mention yeah. like you get across some indirect characterization about her, one of her tattoos right yeah 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 and then, yeah so right there a separate you, scene, in yeah. that one scene you've got three yeah. forms of indirect characterization which is yeah. why i think that character really jumps off the page i, th- I think he did such a great job with her Thanks. Yeah. And and again, but that's like coming back to like knowing that person before you start and, and having mm-hmm. a good idea of like the basics, like wants, mode, motivations, needs, and behaviors uh, kind of upfront. Um, yep. And then you get to have fun with like doing those things and being like, this is how she's acting in this world and hopefully getting across to people that, you know, who they are through that stuff. Cause that, that's just, that's, that's the chef's kiss, right? That's just fun stuff at that point. Right. So what other ones do we have? We, we covered quite a bit here. Characters appearance. Yeah, I think we just kind of got to looks as the last one, which is which, you know, it's interesting because it's not direct characterization. It's indirect because it's how they look. But yeah, it feels almost like direct to me a little bit. Right. Yeah, because you kind of step out and you describe someone, I guess. And I know sometimes like we talked about it before, like through an action, we'll like describe their hair through an action. We'll describe their eyes or what they're wearing. But I think it how they look and their appearance is still considered indirect characterization. Yes. Um, I also think it's interesting because like that's if you think about the point of view you're writing from as well, right? Because it would be if you for like I'm writing, you know, third person limited, any description of another character is coming from the the point of view. So that person who's seeing them and describing and, and calling out the things that they would notice, right? Maybe another right. character, maybe another character would notice something different. Maybe they would notice like their weight and their height, whereas another character would be like their hair or their eyes or their you know face. But which details do you give away for the, the character's point of view that you're in that that they would be paying attention to, but also giving enough so the reader can paint a picture of what this person looks like? It's kind of like a mm. fun, interesting, I think, balance because different characters I think will sh- should identify different things. That's a good point. <laughs> but in a way that you still, as a reader, are like, oh, I can picture this person perfectly. So um, I think I, I did that in one scene with um, with uh, my FBI agent, Blackwell, who's just kind of coming into a building like hot shit. And I give this d- description of a secondary character, like the local sheriff, whatever. It's all through Blackwell's eyes, like his point of view. And it's just he just notices he's like, you know, Boy Scout. He does things by the rules. Da, da, da. You know, he's marching in. This is how this works. Very organized. And he just notices all this stuff about this person that is not organized, a bit messy, and describes a person yeah. that way. So um, it's a great way to root the POV in the character. And as I'm thinking like about my own story, is that I do it a little bit, especially in Act One, but in Act Two, I feel like I pull back a little bit more. Yeah. And some characters don't get that same treatment. It's it's probably room for growth, honestly, for me to to lean into that a, a little bit more, is because I do rely a, a, a bit on because I'm writing an omniscient third or whatever. So I do rely a little bit on a narrator at points yeah. when I'm not locked in the character. I also think once you, once you get to act two and act three, you're just tired. <laughs> it's like, I'm tired, whatever. <laughs> they, had, you know, they had hair, they had eyes. All right, next. <laughs> well, we talked about it too, right? There is, especially going through the edits, there's this idea of, at least for like the genre that I'm trying to write in, is I want the pace to pick up. And the pace can't pick up if I'm so mired in description and internal yeah. monologues. So in a way, I really want to tee like the world up and the characters up in act one, 
show how they're changing and, you know, fighting against that change in act two. Right, right. Then act three, it's like, you know them, they're they're changing and it's zipping along. And I was really concerned, like, am I just rushing? This feels like so much quick. Like my sentences are shorter. You know, I'm not locked in the characters as much. I'm not doing as much characterization in Act Three. But I think you it, shouldn't. It, you that shouldn't makes sense. Be. You shouldn't be. It should be all done. I mean, obviously not all done because your characters are changing. Right. But you're not you, getting it's not the same setup. Sort of yeah. 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 Anything else about indirect characterization? I don't think so. I guess just plan it. Track it. <laughs> plan Save and track. yourself the heartache that I went through of going through a hundred thousand words and fixing it. Because it seems like it's not a big deal until you have to find every place you screwed up. Yeah. It really makes sense to like, keep, and I know like, especially like those in like the King school of like, just get through it. Yeah. There's something to be said for just getting through it, but also like minimize the amount of editing a little bit you have to do and make sure you have a true North with these characters. I, I think it, if you get the characterization down, you're going to save yourself so much editing. Like I've yeah. edited so much just to fix this stuff. It's been such a pain. Yeah. Hundreds I'm, of hours. Hundreds I'm of like, hours. I'm like actually looking forward to getting to the revision stage of, of, of second book. Well, for many reasons, one, because that means I've finished a first draft, which would be great. <laughs> <laughs> That's the obvious reason. But then I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to just see how, how much I've learned through the, the, for the first process and probably like it's going to be just better. <laughs> it's just, it's going to, yeah. the process is going to be better. Uh, and probably a little bit, uh, time saving or you're going to be a little more efficient, I should say. Uh, not that I'm like need to rush you anything, but I think just the efficiency of then being able to like identify the things that I need to change and characterization is one of those. Um, but having those nuggets in there already and knowing that I need to remove and or uh, add some, I think in revisions will be, is just like a nice little thing. So it's something that I've noticed through this whole process, like all the way to querying is that there's always so from planning, like from starting the snowflake flake method to getting my characters ready, I keep having this hurry up, slow down. I get, I feel so urgent. Like I need to get the story out. I need to do a thing. <laughs> yeah. And then I do it and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I, I got to go fix all that stuff. Right. So <laughs> yeah. Planning really, really, really helps. Yeah, man. Well, that's all I got. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise. So uh, what are you watching, reading? Anything? Finish the deep. Moving on to white noise again. Oh, I finished that um, fall of the house of Usher. It was okay. But yeah, nothing's really like blowing my mind these days on the on the the the, the media front. Yeah. How about you? Uh, let's see. Reading wise, I just finished this book called uh, Kindred by Octavia Butler, um, who I've I think I've mentioned uh, her a while ago. I read it. Um, she had, like this short, really awesome. I just finished Kindred. It's really good. It is intense. It's kind of like an interesting time travel um, story about a, uh, a black woman from 1976 who goes back to like her family's like roots in like Maryland in like the 1800s. Very much about slavery and you know racism and stuff like this. And it is, uh, yeah, it's intense. It's really good. And it's also kind yeah. of interesting that there's this time travel aspect to it, but it's never explained what it is and why it happens and it's completely and totally fine <laughs> it's like oh, one of those really? things, yeah honestly i was like waiting for it to to happen but that wasn't the point of the story at all like and that was fine that was completely fine i wouldn't even call it science fiction um yeah it's like you, you you're looking for like oh this person is just jumping back in time why are they doing this and it's never really explained it's just like this mystery and it's completely fine like i'm like i didn't need it i don't need to know why um but uh, yeah, really, really good book. Uh, very That's intense cool. though. So if you do pick it up, uh, be ready for that. And then I just restarted uh, Dune. 
again for like the third time. So, uh, which has well, been, you've, you've gone through Dune already, right? Or are you just prepping? Yeah, for I've, move? I've read Dune twice, uh, like a long time ago. And then I read it, I don't know, probably like a year or two ago, uh, but rereading it. And it's kind of interesting because I haven't read it since the movie came out and now reading it and having seen the movie, it's helping me like, like visualize the book a bit more. Uh, and then also realizing, wow, the movie is very spot on to the book. Um, mm. And also kind of interesting to see how they're um, the, how they shift around some of the scenes in the movie versus the book. I'll tell you what I loved about the movie, right? Is I think when I read the book the first time, I enjoyed it, right? I, I mean, Herbert definitely wears, you know, his passions on his sleeve. So it's like ecology and hallucinogenics. And yeah, yeah. but I read it and I think I pictured like the few, like, you know how there's, it's like, well, I pictured maybe a retro futurist thing where it was like the future of the 60s or the future of the 70s. Yeah. So everybody had a 1970s haircut, you know, everybody yeah. was in a tunic. This is how I pictured it. <laughs> and I think the movie contemporized it so much yeah. that I, in fact, I'd be excited to kind of go back because the movie feels like, I don't know, future past in a way. It feels really yeah, it's nice. It's got like, like a retro, retro futuristic type of feel to it, right? Yeah. But it doesn't feel like tied to like Americana in the 70s. It, it feels like really influenced by like world cultures. Yeah. Yep. which um i think they just did a killer job on yeah. it so yeah it's it's been it's been good to go to go back through that and then watching i just watched that movie on netflix the new david fincher one the killer oh how was that it's really good uh slow burn so be ready for that uh that's okay it's, I mean, it's really I, good when, when I people mean, like fincher right like it's a slow burn but i'm always so interested in like yeah his direction and the cinematography and yeah it's 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 good uh obviously it's just you know beautifully shot well done uh and i like i love michael fassbender i was on him being james bond years ago and i don't know if that that train's probably passed now but yeah he's great in it and it's interesting the you gotta just watch it but it's interesting how the dialogue uh works because he doesn't really talk hmm. he talks and he's like does like a narration like he's talking to oh uh, was it like an internal monologue kind of but it's it's interesting because it's um it's just him being alone and kind of going through his mantra and then when he's talking to people in the world, though, it's he doesn't say much and he lets them his coming back to characterization, right? Like his actions, you know, create these behaviors of other characters that is just kind of fascinating because he's just there. Oh. And they're like, oh, if I'm seeing you, that's not good. And then they just start spilling the beans and start talking and they're doing all the talking. He's just sitting there staring at them, listening. <laughs> Interesting. It's, yeah, it's pretty good. There's um, I got to a point, though, it's, it's, it's a little over two hours. I get to a point. Though, I'm like, man, there's a lot of travel in this movie. And when you see it, you'll you'll know what I mean. Um, <laughs> A lot of renting cars. Is there and a reason why he's giving the like the internal monologue of his daily routine, or is that solely for the audience? Is it it's, like an interview or something? Or no, it's solely for the diary? audience. It's solely for the audience and for himself, I think, because he's just alone in this world. And he's, I mean, I'm not gonna spoiling, but you watch a movie about that. But um, like he does this thing, and he's very good at it. And I think in his head, he's just like, this is how he kind of like because they do that in like American Psycho too, right? Where it's like really for the yeah benefit of the audience to kind of get across the obsessiveness but it, sometimes it's tied to a device sometimes it's like a storytelling device where they're like in a jail cell or being interviewed by a cop or writing in a journal or whatever else so this is just kind of it's okay. for you the audience um i think it was like that bad cut of blade runner <laughs> yeah god <laughs> it's a whole nother that's a whole nother episode <laughs> it's like why are you telling us everything that we're literally just seeing or like you're yeah. literally just doing like why would the american why? audiences why? need to be spoon-fed oh my god 
don't Dude, get me does, uh, don't Fincher get me do anything <laughs> like does he like did he do any is like it was like early 2000s bad cg where the camera flies through a keyhole or like goes up an <laughs> or, elevator or goes to like a gun shaft like that yeah you know that's a good question does that ha- no i don't think that happens in this one that was like so gratuitous i'm happy that that's going yeah. away the worst wasn't panic room when it goes to the keyhole uh, like, <laughs> yeah. where can we stick a cg camera like you don't need to it you don't need to it's not adding doesn't need to happen uh but very good highly recommend slow burn uh a lot of I'll travel but uh, definitely, definitely worth it. Uh, I very much enjoyed it. It's also kind of What's interesting. The, uh, I was going to say, how long is it? I think it's just over two hours. Okay. So. Yeah, that's been it. That's that's it. I so. so that's it. I think that's our episode. We're done. We've we've characterized. Done. That's we've, it. We've characterized this. Yes, yeah, so you brought me through my character arc, and I feel <laughs> slightly happier. Slightly happier. Um, <laughs> so I think uh, what do we got? So we're wrapping up the end of 2023. Our next episode teaser. I think we've got an interview coming. That'd be great. So, yeah, yeah, awesome. Special guest interview. So stay tuned for that in December, and that will end the year for us, which would be great. And that's it. So thanks for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this, pass it on to someone. You can follow us on Instagram, Writer Syndrome Books. We're on Twitter. We're on Twitter. I keep, I feel like every episode I say that and like my voice goes higher and higher. Like, are we? Up? <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm not in love with it, but we're there. Yeah. Writer we're on underscore. YouTube now. Yes, we are. We are on YouTube. You can go there uh, at Writer Syndrome. Uh, you can find all the episodes, contact us, reach out if you want to do an interview or have any feedback, uh, all at writersyndrome.com.